Uh, we both come from broken homes. Uh, my parents divorced when I was nine. And really all I remember of those earliest years was the constant fighting of my parents. There was lots of yelling. And my childhood was one that never really felt peaceful at home. And though my mother was actually the daughter of a Baptist minister, uh, and she was a believer, um, when she left home, she found the world more enticing than following Christ and married my father, who was an unbeliever, and it didn't go well. Uh, I spent lots of time with my grandparents during the worst of the turmoil between my parents, and my grandfather led me to Christ. But my mother remarried another unbeliever, and we moved away uh, due to my stepfather's job. So after that, I saw my grandparents only occasionally and really received no discipling whatsoever and honestly had no examples in my life of anyone who lived in an abiding relationship with Jesus. I grew up in a house in which my father was basically never at home. He was an alcoholic, as were his parents, and didn't become sober until long after I was an adult. He was constantly gone on the professional rodeo circuit or busy doing anything but being home with his wife and three daughters. One of my most painful memories is when I was a young Girl Scout and my father failed, up to, show, failed to show up at a father-daughter dance. I was the only girl at the dance whose father didn't show up. The father of another girl there felt sorry for me and offered to dance with me, but I didn't want to. I could still feel that sharp sense of humiliation that overwhelmed me that night. When I compared myself to all the other little girls there, all I could think about was that they must be worthwhile because their fathers had shown up. But I, on the other hand, must not be because mine didn't. My mother took my sisters and I to church occasionally when we were young, but she was not a believer and she found some imagined reason to get mad at the church and we quit going. So as Jan and I began our married lives, we were both products of our environments. Uh, neither one of us had any idea what a real marriage was supposed to look like. We both just assumed that we would make each other happy. And in many ways we did, but we were both broken and selfish, so problems began to manifest. And though we didn't really understand it at the time, both of us were subject to depression, and I in particular developed the habit of relying on alcohol as a way of coping with that depression. We would fight, and when I had been drinking, I would become very verbally abusive, and on top of the drinking, I'd grown up in an environment where all conflicts were engaged in with anger and yelling. And so when Jan and I had conflict, I would say terribly hurtful things and try to control the conversation with fits of rage. And when this happened, I would later feel very ashamed and would apologize and ask for forgiveness. And Jan is a very forgiving person, so she would forgive, but the cycle would then just repeat itself. After our children were born, Brett and I began to attend church. During that period, I accepted Christ as my savior. However, we still had problems in our marriage. I convinced myself that all the problems in our marriage were his fault. It was easy to blame him because I could point to his, dr his drinking. 
but the truth was that I too had lots of sin that was contributing to our problems. I would just hide behind the fact that his sin was more visible. The truth was that I had been reared in an environment where no one ever admitted when they were wrong and where feelings and emotions reigned supreme and were never to be challenged. So in retrospect, there were many times when where Brett would be right in challenging me on my, on my thinking or my actions, but I would not allow it. It was extremely rare for me to ever ask for forgiveness. I would simply withdraw from conversation if I didn't see any way to blame him. Anything was preferable to admitting that I was wrong or that I needed to ask for forgiveness. That was something I just didn't do. Since then, Jan and I have come to understand that we were created not just to believe in Christ as our Savior, but to love him supremely and to center our very lives on him above anything else and really to build our identities in him. And when we build our lives, we've learned on anything else, Jesus tells us that we are building on a foundation of sand and that the storms of life will destroy what we have built. And God tells us in the first of his commandments that we should have no other gods before him. And the Bible tells us too that, that sin is not just the doing of bad things, but also the making of good things into ultimate things, which replaces God's presence in our life. So it's seeking to establish a sense of self by making something or someone else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than the relationship to God. And this is what happened to us. Jan and I both entered our relationship very needy. We both had childhoods that left us feeling insecure and looking to others for our sense of value. As a result, we were both looking for someone to fill what we perceived was missing in our lives. But neither of us was even close to having the ability to fulfill everything the other needed. We loved each other very deeply, but because we did not rely on Jesus for our respective identities, our relationship was crumbling. In Pastor Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, he quotes another author who says, no human relationship can bear this burden of godhood. If your spouse is your all, then any shortcoming in him or her causes a major threat to you. What is it that we want when we elevate our spouse to this position? We want to get rid of our feeling of nothingness, to know our existence has not been in vain. We want redemption, nothing less. Needless to say, humans cannot give this. This is exactly where we were as a couple. We wanted each other to fulfill our every need, and neither one of us could live up to that expectation. So my reaction uh, to this state of affairs was to abuse alcohol as a way of coping with my depression and frustration, and to rage in anger when Jan didn't meet my every expectation. We had a very negative pattern of communication. If there were any kind of disagreement between us, I would escalate and Jan would withdraw. We might, what might begin as a minor disagreement over something inconsequential would very quickly turn into a terrible argument. At this point, I had begun to suffer so badly from depression that I began to struggle with very dark thoughts, even contemplating what a relief death would be. 
I never actually had suicidal thoughts, but I was in a very dangerous place emotionally, spiritually. During that time, it never even occurred to me that any of our struggles were my fault. I considered it obvious that all our problems were due to his drinking. And when I went to see a psychiatrist to get help with my depression, he just basically reinforced my belief that none of this was my fault. His solution was to prescribe antidepressants and to tell me the real source of my problem was twofold. First, brain chemistry, which the drugs were supposed to help, and second, that my husband was at fault because of his drinking and his anger. He never even suggested that I look at my own shortcomings. For my part, I looked at the overt sin of Brett's drinking and told myself that this was the sole source of our problems, my problems, that all our marriage problems were entirely his fault. So all of this led us to a point in 2005 that when I came home from a business trip, Jan informed me that she wanted a divorce. I was devastated. I tried to get her to give us another chance, but she said she had already talked with a divorce lawyer and that her decision was final. Our kids came home from school. We sat them down and amidst many tears told them what was happening. It was a horrible day. And that evening, I gathered some clothes and went to my mother's house who lived nearby. And that night, I had a dream. And I honestly never uh, put any stock in dreams. And in fact, they really rarely make any kind of coherent sense. And so I can't even remember what I dreamed last night. But this was different. Um, and though it happened all those many years ago, now I remember it just as crystal clear as if it had happened just a moment ago. And so I was on a ship at sea, and there was a terrible storm. Um, the ship was clearly being destroyed, and me with it. And there was, for some reason, there was broken glass everywhere, and there were giant shards of glass embedded in me, and I was bleeding profusely. It was very graphic. And suddenly, I heard God telling me that not only was I being destroyed by the storm, but that I was the storm. By living for myself with no regard for God's will, I was destroying both myself and my family. I woke up aware of how broken I was and begging God to forgive me and to give me another chance. From that day forward, Brett began to change. I could see that he was different, and we began anew. We both turned our lives over to God and decided to make him our first priority. We recognized that if our lives and our marriage were going to be put back into order, Christ would have to be our king. It was not an immediate process. We both had to learn how to abide in Christ daily, and I had much yet to learn about my own sinful patterns. I had to work hard to humble myself and learn to admit when I was wrong. I had to learn and to ask for forgiveness because as Brett began to change, it became more and more obvious to me that not all of our problems were his fault. I saw that I too was broken and needed to submit myself to the transformation that only Christ can bring. We now had real hope. We had belonged to a church for years, but as we began to search for God anew and to read the Bible daily, we realized that the church we were involved in didn't treat God's word with the authority that it merits. 
we found a church that did see the Bible as the final authority over our lives and began to apply it. The process of learning to follow Christ and trust him was definitely not an immediate thing. It took time as we studied the Bible and applied it to our lives. But gradually, as we did, change took place. I entered a Bible-based 12-step yeah, Bible program, and with God's help, today I'm completely free of any desire to escape difficulty with alcohol. As Christ began to work change in me, my anger began to subside. It's a weakness that I still sometimes, though, find myself battling. Jan and I don't want to pretend that we have a perfect marriage. We still have struggles, but there is such a difference in our lives and marriage. Each day we abide with the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we have a community of believers who are as committed to God and his will for their lives as we want to be, and they keep us um, accountable so that we are not returning to the isolation that dominated our lives for so long. We're both committed to our marriage in such a way that we cannot even imagine seeking to escape from it anymore. We're working on drawing the circle around ourselves and removing the board from our own eye before we seek to remove the speck from the other's eye. And I do say we're working on it because we both still fail. We know that God's work in each of us will not be finished until he calls us home, but we trust his word, which tells us that he who began a good work in, it, in us will perfect it. And thanks be to God, our marriage is the strongest it has ever been. Brett has become a servant leader in our household. And because of his commitment to the will of God, and it can be seen in every aspect in his life, our two sons have been transformed by the change they have seen in the lives of their parents. They and their wives are wholly committed to God. We are blessed so much at the mercy God has shown us. We want to close our testimony by encouraging you to trust God. We know that many of you here tonight are in great pain and feel completely hopeless. We want you to know that we understand how you feel. We have been there. The Bible makes it clear that God allows difficult circumstances in our lives in order to help us realize that he is our only hope. If you will respond to that painful period that you are going through with a decision to trust Jesus Christ to be both your Savior and your Lord, then everything can change. You can experience the same transformation that we have. I want to close our testimony tonight with one of my uh, favorite passages in Scripture. And God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And he's speaking to the Israelites, but it's for us as well. And what he does is he contrasts the person who rejects God, which is what I was, with the person who puts his trust in God, which thanks be to God, I've become. And so I'm going to quote it in the New Living Translation because it just makes it really plain. This is how it goes. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness, 
in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Thank you all for letting us share a story with you tonight.